The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Silver Bells Murders, the unofficial American Gothic internet radio show exclusively on poppychuloradio.com. Poppychulo Radio Pop Culture On Demand. Today is Friday, August 5th, 2016, and I am your host, Mike. During tonight's broadcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of CBS American Gothic. Please welcome my co-host, the lovely Jess... Hi, everybody. Hope you're having a good night. And last but certainly not least, Bobby Chulo. Hello, listeners. Welcome, welcome. You got me all wobbly. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Let's jump into our recap of Season 1, Episode 7, titled The Gross Clinic, and aired on August 3rd, 2016. Here is the official synopsis of the episode. A major revelation about the Silver Bells murders turns everyone's world in the Hawthorne family upside down. Christina loses trust in Garrett. Allison's Mariel campaign sinks. Cam's sobriety is tested. And Tessa with witnesses disturbing new behavior in Jack. Also, Brady is worried that the new information about Silver Bells isn't exactly what it seems to be. Before we get before I get everybody's initial reaction, here are the ratings that TV Line provided. American Gothic was steady with a 2.5 million total viewers and a 0.5 in the demo. And going through on, what was everybody's initial reaction of the episode? I'll start off with Jess. What was your reaction of this episode overall? This show finds a way to make me want to pull out my hair in new and terrifying ways every week. So kudos, American Gothic. You have officially creeped me out on an entirely new level this week. And also, I'm a little bit confused about, you know, DNA evidence and how it works, but I'm not a cop, so I'm going <laughs> to let you do you, and I'm going to sit back and enjoy the ride. Fair enough, fair enough. And Poppy, what was your official synopsis of the episode? I mean, I, what was your initial reaction? What the hell? Well, there you go. I enjoyed the episode. I thought it was a lot of fun. I am thoroughly entertained with this series. I'm loving the twists, the turns, the new revelations, the new clues, the surprises. I'm, I'm digging it. And uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed what happened in this episode. And I'm looking forward to chatting about it with uh, both of you. Right on, right on. I I have to agree. This episode was actually really good. I'm not going to lie. I feel like, again, it still definitely really moved forward the plot after, what, after everything that happened from the previous episode. 
and so many things were happening i think and but i felt like we were we were not bombarded with so many things i felt like this episode really took in the plots the main plot and then you know the subplots in between i think they took them with you know very good strides along through so i think this episode definitely was strong so i can't wait to get into it but before we get into a thorough recap, here are a few reminders on how you can interact with the show via social media. Follow the show on Tumblr, thesilverbellsmurders.tumblr.com. You can follow the station on social media. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and just go ahead and just find us and like us. Help support Poppy Chulo Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychuloradio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or even, maybe even concerns? Email us via contact at poppychuloradio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chulo radio team as an on-air personality like us, or maybe even a blog contributor? Email talon at poppychuloradio.com. You can binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chulo radios programs by visiting poppychuloradio.com slash archives. And don't forget to search for The Silver Bells Murders through iTunes and hit that subscribe button. New episodes are available to download on Fridays throughout the entire summer. So, now that we've said our little introductions, let's see if we can dive right into this episode. So, when we last left off from the previous episode, we see Christina, you know, stabbed Garrett and Garrett's on the ground. You know, he looks like he's losing consciousness. He's, you know, suffered... You know, massive blood loss. And the episode opens up with Christina explaining to the officers that are kind of taking her in. And she's explaining, you know, what he was doing. That she, she's explaining that she was with him at the woods, you know, and that how they met. You know, typical witness stuff, you know, providing information about what happened. But one of the things I thought was kind of interesting was that her demeanor. She didn't seem like she was super afraid or scared, knowing that the information that she was given came off as, like, this person is a potential killer. To me, I don't know, maybe it's just me, I was given the feeling that she wasn't as scared as you normally would be, I guess, in that situation. But then she finds out that it wasn't Garrett, that it was, you know, uh, her father, because she asked, you know, well, was it him? You know, she's really wanting to know what happened. And they tell her that no, that it was his father. And as we move on a little bit further, we see uh, Madeline is looking at the glass. And it has Hawthorne family. And it has, you know, everything describing them. And it says murder on it. So, whoever did that, bunch of jerks. But before I move on a little bit further, I actually wanted to get y'all's opinion. When the episode opened up, how did you guys feel about christina's portrayal of her the way that she portrayed of her being afraid do you did you guys believe that she was actually afraid or in danger or did you guys feel like eh she may have played it off or she kind of already had the intent of doing it or how did you guys feel i'll start off with poppy okay i like do you do like did you buy it I did, just because I feel like when you are in a um, a situation that you feel is scary and frightening, you get sort of that additional rush of adrenaline. And uh, I'm 
I'll like let her pass and, and say like maybe she had the adrenaline in her system and maybe that's why she didn't seem scared or terrified or as as well as I mean she's the um she's the daughter of the Silver Bells killer of a victim of the Silver Bells killer right. and I'm going to assume that maybe in her mind throughout all the time that she's been alive she's probably been like you know if i ever meet the killer this is what i'm going to do this is what i'm going to do so maybe she was like ready for that day and maybe that's why she didn't seem afraid sort of like i don't feel like she suspected anything until she got that phone call so i don't think that she had like planned to stab garrett but i feel like maybe in her mind she was ready for the day to confront the person that killed her father to confront the silver bells killer and i think maybe the adrenaline in her system is what sort of like had her in a more I don't want to say calm state, but in a more controlled state as opposed to a fearful state of mind. Okay, fair enough. If we were to move along and we see Garrett is talking to Cutter, the detective Cutter, and basically she just says, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I do want to ask you a couple questions. So we don't really see the main questions that were asked, but... The scene moves on to the family going in to see Garrett, and they decide, you know, to talk with each other and ex- and try to figure out, okay, more or less, Garrett, well, what did you say? I don't know if anybody picked it up, but uh, you kind of notice that one of the first things that's noticed is, you know, Malin really wants to know, what did you tell the police? You can mm-hmm. tell her controlness or her attitude towards it really shines in and says well what did you say instead of you know asking oh how are you or are you okay like usually a typical mother would ask but she kind of immediately stepped over and just asked you know what did you tell the police Mm -hmm. so then he goes on to explain that uh in more or less i'm paraphrasing more or less he explains that uh, he kind of had this feeling and the reason that he left was because he had confronted his father about it and he noticed that he, when he got into a discussion with him he said you know if I find out that you kill somebody I'm going to come back and I'm you know, going to report it so he was under the notion that since nothing happened in, the, in every consecutive year that it was assumed that Mitchell was the Mitch for short I guess was the one who actually really committed these atrocities that he committed these murders so Garrett was under the impression that okay he really did and one of the siblings asked you know well why didn't you say anything which was Tessa you know how come you didn't say anything you know why would you keep it to yourself and you can see she's really she's really hurt that he he never said anything and she says you know you left us alone in the house with a killer and garrett explains well i didn't have any real proof to show that you know that our father was the killer jess that scene really brought together the family to talk about and more or less figure out what's going on do you feel like Jess was in the right? Uh, what the hell? Do you feel like Tessa was in the right? Jess, line? Jess is in the show. I know. I was like, what? <laughs> Jake's a special guest star appearance. Do you feel like Apparently Tessa was in the right so. mind to get upset 
at Garrett, or do you feel like she was not really justified to do that? Honestly, if I was in Tessa's position, I'd like to say that I'd react differently, but I wouldn't. The thought that you are living with a serial killer that, you know... Or at least assumed that this person is a serial exactly, killer. Exactly, an alleged serial killer mm -hmm. that tore apart so many other families and didn't care. Like, the fact that you are living with somebody who is allegedly cold-blooded enough to take away someone else's life and stage it so elaborately and... and basically turn into a serial killer that is some terrifying stuff like if i mean I, i'm not but if i was related to a serial killer and i spent a lot of time with that person and i didn't know that they were a serial killer like i would be devastated especially if they were gone and and couldn't defend themselves i feel like all of my memories would be of them would be warped and tarnished and tainted and th there wouldn't be like real fear you know that they were going to come back and and hurt me in some way but there would be more of a sense of i should have known and i should have done something to protect the people that got hurt even though tess was very small when the killings initially began so as much as i would like to say like maybe she could have been a bit more you know um diplomatic about things Nah, that's her dad. She doesn't have to be fucking diplomatic. I would be scared too. And also, I think she did a great job um, basically confronting Garrett because as we've seen already consistently throughout the show, and I think this is one of their strong areas, Tessa and Garrett relate to each other on a different level. Like, Garrett is obviously the most fond of Tessa and is obviously the most protective of her. I think he sees her as the most innocent of the pathological screw-ups in his family. And so for her to be disappointed in him, I kind of got the sense like that that was the hardest thing for him because she finally stopped seeing him as, you know, oh, big brother Garrett who took me on bike rides and did all these things for me when I was little. Now, she's looking at him not through, you know, rose-tinted glasses, but with more of a betrayed, doe-eyed Bambi watching its mother get strapped to the back of a truck look like, how Jesus could Christ, you? Jesus Christ, Jess. That's definitely Sorry. one vivid... Uh... No, that's that's one vivid detail you can give. Um, that's definitely true. And you and you do raise up a good point that she's not oblivious at any, at, or at least what it seems to be. She's not oblivious to how Garrett is right now and how he used to treat her. And she's not blinded by the bond, the 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 way he was back then. And I think. Uh, yeah. It does see it. You can see it in that little exchange that Garrett does seem, you know, sad, and you know, he feels like he disappointed her because you could see the, the sadness in his look, saying, you know, and he's trying to explain. And most of the time, he's looking at Tessa. If you if you look back into the scene, he's not really looking at anyone else. He's not really glancing over to anyone else, but he's trying. It feels like he was trying to explain to Tessa, you know, everything that is going on. And the reasons why he did it, feeling that in some way he was trying to protect them or essentially, you know, justify him leaving. 
So, speaking of Tessa, if but just one quick thing to note of that scene in the hospital, after he said, after Garrett said to his family what he was asked and his responses, he gave a look to his mother, and they gave a look to each other, and I thought that was interesting. So yeah, we like could we could put a bookmark moment. to that. Mm-hmm. It was it was a brief pause. Like you could tell, like she was like, "Wait, are you really gonna say the entire truth, or are you going to?" Or almost like, "Good boy, you know, you didn't say everything. Good boy." Right. So it felt like it was definitely alluding to something, and I felt like it was gonna foreshadow some sort of meeting that they were gonna have or something later on, but. Going back onto Tessa, if we were to move just a little bit further into the episode, we see, you know, Tessa really is contemplating everything. And you see uh, Brady is, uh, you know, Brady saying, you know, I'm so sorry. You know, he's apologizing for the events that, that took place in regards to Garrett being stabbed. And he's, you know, he's saying, I'm so sorry. And you can see Tessa is not having it. She says, you know, well, it would have been nice if my brother wasn't stabbed. You know, it really would have been nice. And he, Brady this time plays the card around and says, you know, what if I can ask to get time off so we can spend time to each other? Because I feel like our communication, you know, is not that strong and whatnot. And, you know, because we have trust, you know, trust issues with each other. And you see that they're having, you know, this little intimate moment and they're, you know, talking to each other. And you know, we noticed that just that Tessa brings up uh, an event that happened in her life in regards to uh, her father, you know, uh, in, in one of her birthdays, you know, woke up really early for like a balloon ride. And she's talking about these this anecdote that happened. And we noticed that she looks at uh, kind of like a like a hot air balloon type uh, glass thing that's hanging or like on the shelf or something. And she's looking at it and then she explains, you know, that, you know, it was back from 1999 and she just, you know, just throws it on the ground. She just smashes it, you know, it's broken. And she's saying, you know, you know, what if he was playing this character just to fuel, you know, his desire to do this. And you see, she's completely you know stuck in her own mind because she doesn't know who or what her father is anymore poppy if you were if you were brady and you and you told her that you were sorry you know that you did all this and whatnot do you feel would you have would you have explained to her you know the reason you know the reason why you have left her or would you have tried to console her in a different way because brady tried only saying, you know, that I'm sorry that it led up to it, but he never mentioned the, you know, reason why he had left her. Would you have consoled her a different way, or do you feel like, you know, that was the best, that's the best, the best thing that you could do for Tessa? Yeah, I think at the time that was probably the best way that he could have uh, tried to reconcile with her after everything that had happened and uh, i get where she's coming from because she's like questioning everything because she was a child at the time of uh, the original murder and it was her birthday and you know putting two and two together she realizes that the night before her birthday 
when her father woke her up early, that's when he was committing the first murder. So, you know, she's rightfully pissed and scared and uh, ashamed and worried and uh, you know she has all these thoughts of like what if like what if like was this man just playing around as Mitchell Hawthorne who was he really you know who was he really was he really a, a murderer you know how could I have been living with the murderer and not know it and all this kind of stuff so I get where both of them were coming from it was interesting though to see that well, no, we learned two things about Tessa that was interesting. The first thing is is that she was taking meds or something like that. And uh, Brady was like, maybe we should call Dr. Whatever, you know, to get you back on the meds and that kind of thing. That was interesting. And, or I don't know if those were the, maybe those were hormonal meds for, for yeah, them to have I a baby. Believe, yeah, that was In the, the beginning, I wasn't sure, though. Uh, it wasn't yeah, until, it, it, it I guess, later it confirms very... it. I was like, I thought it was, it was anxiety it was, meds. I know, I was like, maybe yeah, it's I that too? The, or? I, I thought it was anxiety, or I thought it was something to do with uh, uh, with having a baby, only because in the previous episodes, they had mentioned that they had been trying to get... Yeah. So, so did, I was under... She but also the, mention, didn't she also mention at her father's funeral with Garrett, she's like, I have really bad anxiety, and I had to go yeah, off the meds it, because we're trying for a baby? Yes, yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, so there's that too. And then the second thing is that she, like, she violently threw that thing. So I was like, yeah, okay, I, she's got a little bit of a violent streak in her. Yeah, she, she didn't just, like, you know, passionately throw it or whatever. She No, she chucked it. She literally just chucked it and threw it on the ground because she was pissed. And you, you could see that she's, you know, has that high sense of rage mm -hmm. but you know some people would say well it's because it's in reaction of the information that she found but then somebody could say well that's that was already in her it's just this event just only sh allowed her to showcase it further mm -hmm. on so i thought it was i thought it was a little interesting that she definitely she literally chucked that thing to pieces on the ground like holy crap and it was pretty I, I, it was i was like but i guess you, you know you don't want to have the bad memory of course, and I had the volume up uh, on my headset, and I just hear, you know, I'm, I'm like watching or whatever, and then I just hear chucking. I'm like, oh god, that's loud. But yeah, she she definitely chucked it. Holy crap! And speaking of, you know, really interesting little conversations, we go now to Madeline and Garrett at the hospital, and it's it's a very brief scene, but they do discuss more or less you know about mitch uh their father taking the fall and madeline says you know it's it's okay or it's better for him to take the fall i thought that raised major major eyebrows even though the little scene was super short uh madeline mentions that you know you know he's holding garrett's hand you know you know it it looks intimate, and she says, you know, uh, it's, you know, don't second-guess this, but it's best for your father to take the fall. And you hear the eerie music in the background, and then it just cuts, you know, to go on to the next scene. How did how did you guys feel about that scene, particularly? Because I feel like that was definitely one of the few scenes in the episode that was a definite, pivotal moment for the show. Jess, how did you feel about Madeline saying to Garrett that don't second guess this, 
but it's a good thing that your father is the one that's taking the fall. When you heard that, what did you think? Immediately, the song Man Killer by Headley popped into my head, and I was so mad because it ruined the song for me, and I really liked that song. But I was not shocked. I was just like, oh, Sam is right. Sam's not with us tonight. But she constantly has a theory about Madeline being, you know, the ringleader of the entire operation. And I can definitely see it. She is... She's something else, let me tell you. And she is the kind of dysfunction that you don't want to be near. You don't want your children near. You see her and you run as fast as you can in the other direction because she is just scary. And the fact that Garrett is still keeping her secret after all these years and all that's happened, he got stabbed because of her secret and he still wouldn't open up. Yeah. That is a twisted but also forged of steel loyalty between them right there i'm not sure if it's reciprocated like on her end but he's definitely gonna have some mommy issues if he doesn't already when he gets older like i no wonder that poor kid spent like 14 years living in the woods i understand him now i do but i mean if if we were to go off of that, you know, how he's, you know, loyal or whatever, but could, couldn't that be mistaken that maybe he knows something that it might uh, actually come back to him? So that's why he's not necessarily show, showing that he well, has a high caliber of loyalty towards a particular individual in the family, but it's more so because it incriminates him or it'll showcase that maybe he had something to do with it. I don't know, you know, to be honest with you, I I don't think Garrett gives a fuck. Like, (laughs) whatever happened with this Silver Bells thing, I don't think he cares about whether or not he's caught up in the crossfire anymore. Like, he's just so done with his family. I think, you know, he's got a twisted sense of loyalty towards his mom, but he's also, I think, still protecting his younger siblings, particularly Tessa, but I do think his um, his protection extends to Cam and even Allison as well. Like, I think you're right, he does know more than he's letting on, but he he is not letting it get out because he wants to spare his siblings the horrific knowledge of whatever he has on her that, you know, the others don't. He's trying to keep them in the dark for their own protection, which, you know what? No wonder he lived in the woods. Now that I think about it, it that is, I just, I want to hug him really tight and never let go. Ever. <laughs> Poppy, I want your take on this. How did you feel when that scene ended, when she, when Malin told Garrett, don't second guess this? But it's a good thing that your father is the one taking the fall. When you heard that, what was the first thing that came to your mind? Well, it confirmed a lot of stuff. I mean, it certainly 100% confirmed as to why she killed him. 
in the pilot episode, it confirms sort of his secret conversation with his father in the pilot episode. It just confirmed a lot of stuff that I think we suspected throughout these episodes. For me, though, I didn't see it the way that Jess was seeing it in that she sees it as a confirmation that Madeline is a ringleader or something like that. For me, it confirms the fact that he is keeping this secret, this deep family secret that obviously Madeline is um, in on and that she knows about, but he's keeping the secret to protect his family and maybe to protect a particular person in the family, which we'll discuss that uh, when we uh, discuss the... Uh, who we think the, the the person is involved in all of this because uh, I feel like it confirms my suspicion as to who it is. But it certainly adds to the theory that, at least in my opinion, that he's keeping this secret because he's keeping it to protect someone in the family. Because if he says the truth, then all the cards fall down and they're house of uh cards and house of lies hmm. true true moving on further into the episode we kind of see brady puts on a timer on himself and we kind of just see him speeding through and literally just going through parts of the city and finally gets to his in-laws and he notices on the on the timer it's roughly around 40 seconds you see a cop pull up behind him and it's detective cutter and she says what on earth are you doing going 80 miles an hour to get to your in-laws he basically explains that there's something off about the case itself that he felt that the time because the information that he got from tessa was that her father before a while back in order to surprise her came home at around five in the morning so he they are notified that the, the the time of an end of the breaking of one of the victims was around 345 346 if i'm not mistaken in the morning so he wanted to know more or less if the time made sense going to and from the place so that way he can get back so detective cutter tells him you know if you're gonna go ahead and do this i'm gonna go ahead and just be with you so their main focus for them is to Go ahead and find out if they can more or less prove if the time matches or if it makes sense. <clears throat> and then moving on a little bit further, we see uh, Allison and her husband are kind of having, you know, repercussions of the information that they found out. How her husband uh, has already lost more than five clients within within the week. And he explains, you know, how are we going to handle this? you know financially for our family for our kids and uh allison uh says you know i'm you know i'm thinking of dropping out of the race and he says you know it's not just about you it's about you know our family and stuff and then for some reason it kind of goes off to allison kind of getting defensive and saying you said that you that we agreed that we can sleep with whoever we want and he kind of gets upset and says well you know they don't they're not you're not supposed to tell them you know or tell you that i love you and she starts to realize you know what she you know that naomi had told her that but she never knew 
And he explains, well, she had texted it to you and I deleted the text. Poppy, that exchange to me felt a little awkward, a little weird, but overall how do you how do you, how did you take this scene like how did you react to the bickering that Allison had with her husband and do you feel like it, it's really showcasing uh different sides of Allison or do you feel like that the husband was kind of in the wrong how, how did you take this scene if they got into the relationship into the marriage as an open marriage you know, they, both of them had to have expected, like, something like this to have happened. Because, sure, like, an open marriage kind of makes sense if both of them are on the same page. If they're not on the same page, it's gonna go to shambles. I mean, he went into it with the idea that there were not going to be any feelings involved, it would just be sex, and this, that, or the other. And obviously, at least for Allison, with Naomi, it's developed into something where there are feelings. And so he's feeling threatened, and that's why he had that conversation with Naomi in the previous episode. And uh, now, you know, he basically is giving her an ultimatum. And... Uh, like, I get where he's coming from because he feels like, you know, this is something threatening to his marriage. And, like, she doesn't feel that way, at least, it seems. You know, because she doesn't feel like she's developing feelings for Naomi. But, obviously, once he said, you know, that Naomi had texted her, I love you, like, something in her clicked. And, uh... Maybe she was starting to realize that uh, she got a little bit deeper in this extramarital affair than she intended to. Yeah, that <clears throat> that's def I definitely agree. I felt like <laughs> it's something in her just clicked. Essentially, you know, finding out that that was what was text to her and i felt like she was more like you know how come you know i never noticed it or she may have been you know thinking that it was just you know just a thing like something on the side to have yeah and she also much like her mother she likes to be in control of things so i think she yes. probably felt like she was in control of the situation that okay you know this is just sex you know a little bit of intimacy you know getting our getting our rocks off and all that kind of stuff and uh she didn't really realize that, you know, by having all these deep and meaningful conversations with Naomi about life and about the campaign and about her dreams and aspirations, that this is turning into something that's more than sex. It's like intimacy. It's sharing stuff with another person that's not your partner. And, uh... You know, for some people, sex is just sex, but once you break the intimacy bond, once you start getting emotionally intimate with someone else, that's where the heartbreak and the heartache comes. Right. Yeah. I mean, Definitely. I can't feel sorry for the husband at all, actually, because that's like being like, okay, let's exclusively eat chocolate for the next two months. That's all we're going to do. And then being mad when you gain weight because all you ate was chocolate and you lived a mostly sedentary lifestyle like if your 
open to an open marriage, you either have to be like some sort of like have some sort of ability to compartmentalize, you know, and make sure that it's just sex. Because I don't, eventually, I think that you will end up catching feelings for someone else, whether, you know, it starts off as kind of maybe bitching a little bit about your significant other or just sharing details about your day or whatever. So I, I'm not really sympathetic towards either of them because when you declare, you know, that it's open season and your marriage is an open <laughs> one open or your relationship is an open one, I mean, it comes with risks. Yeah, you'll get a lot of rewards, but you'll also get a lot of risk. And there's not really a way to separate yourself from that, like that I can, that I can see. So I'm not particularly, you know, sympathetic towards either of them. I'm, I wasn't even mad that he went through her texts. Well, damn. Jess does not believe in open marriages. Unless it's with ex-boy banders. You know what? They should all just... We can all be not married. That would be a good idea. <laughs> Speaking of ideas, we see Cam going to find Christina because earlier in the episode, uh, Garrett had asked Cam for a favor. So Cam confronts her and you could see she's defensive... And she says, you know, oh, you know, are you going to stalk me? You know, she's kind of, she's already in, she's, she's already in, you could already see she's already in a bad mood herself. Mm -hmm. and she's done with them. D-U-N yes, done. She's done, even though she didn't even apologize for stabbing Garrett in a way, you know. I'm just saying, I'm kind of already annoyed with her as a character already, but get into that a little bit later. And Cam says, you know, just to give him a chance, you know, he wants to explain, he wants to talk to you, and... She's, she says, you know, that he's insane, you're insane, your entire family's insane. And, and she says, well, it must be in your blood. Like, excuse my language, but like a total bitch. Ooh. And she walks off and she just leaves. So personally, if I had to give a, you know, my thoughts about it, I think, I, I guess I can understand, you know, where she's coming from. But she really doesn't have this sense of tact. She really came off as just a obnoxious bitch. She didn't even apologize for stabbing someone, nearly killing somebody out of her own fear. And yes, during the time, you know, she was under the impression. But again, she could have at least apologized, knowing full well that she was given the information of who, at this particular moment, who the killer is. So I was kind of annoyed at her for that, but it's whatever. But we kind of see the, the struggle that Cam has, you know, to make this happen. We kind of see him like, oh, I guess, you know, whatever. But we also see that in uh, Tessa where she picks up the remains of the hot air balloon thing, jewelry, however you want to call it off of the ground and she's about to dump it into the dumpster into the trash can excuse me and she kind of just freezes and she's looking at it and she's contemplating she gets you know sad and upset and she starts to slowly break down it starts to build up inside her and she starts to uh, be overwhelmed with uh, 
sadness and confusion and everything and she you could see her shaking a little bit actually in the scene and she decides to get her phone she starts to go ahead and try to call you know and set up an appointment and uh you kind of see that she's definitely she's definitely feeling the repercussions of the information that she was given and uh you see what's interesting about this or these collective scenes before it gets into something a little bit more juicier i guess you see each of the siblings are finally seeing the repercussions of everything that they found out and it moves forward to allison uh uh in her office with naomi and another individual talking about you know the chances of her still winning and it looks you know really really grim i mean it, it looks you know, it looks bad that apparently bestiality, according to them, is not as bad as having a serial, a serial killer as your father. So <laughs> I thought that was funny. I thought, I really, really thought that was hilarious. And Allison makes the statement to Naomi that I, I'm going to go ahead and drop out. Now, Poppy, if you were Allison, would you have immediately said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and drop out? Would you have been like that? Would you have dropped out of the campaign? I would, would have. Yeah, I think I would have, just because, I mean, public perception is uh, very strong when it comes to elections and who people are going to vote for. And uh, with that sort of, like, bombshell that dropped about her family i could see why the public would not want to vote for her i mean it, it makes sense you know what i'm saying this is a a yeah. serial killer that had terrorized the community for three plus years and uh it never been discovered who the serial killer was and then all of a sudden bam you know it happens to be her father and she's running for mayor so i get why she you know, I get why if I was in her position I would have dropped out you know seeing the focus groups and the focus groups basically saying you know you could have done this that or the other and we would vote for these people that have done these horrible things but we won't vote for you because your father's a serial killer because <laughs> your father's a serial killer yeah I thought that was a bit of a blow like a really low blow like oh well your father's a serial killer so definitely you can't run for office so she really did you know she really did show that she, you know this really does affect her that you know all this hard work and she's really contemplating of you know giving up and you know and it's hard and you could see that it's hard for her because just like her mother but maybe not to the extremes of what her mother portrays she definitely likes to have things in control and in her perspective where she's aware of everything that's going on and if we were to continue on with, you know, losing control, we see that Cam is with Sophie and, you know, they're shooting up. And Tessa is visiting Cam with their son, Jack, who, by the way, is creepy, is still creepy as all hell in this episode, mind you. And Tessa sees that he's, he's shooting up and she says, you know, you are going to rehab. You know, she, you could tell she's she's fed up. She's had it. And she's she's done with it and 
just i guess you could say just like a typical sibling thing where you see your brother or your sister or you know somebody that you care about you know doing this and you're definitely say you know what i'm done literally like you're going to rehab this is no questions asked and it moves uh the scene then moves on to them at the uh rehab center and cam and sophie are arguing about you know uh, you know, Jack is going to stay with Tessa, you know, in a better environment. And Sophie says, you know, well, I'm his mother. I should, you know, have a say in this. And Tessa then says, not unless I call CPS. She threw it. She threw out the CPS card at them. And you can see Sophie just looks at her like, bitch. Like the little side head turn, you know, like Stewie makes from yep. Family Guy. Literally, that that was her face. She literally just... You know, you bitch. Like, how dare you? I wanted to punch you... it really bad. Who? Punch her? Just... Yeah, I wanted to punch Sophie in the face really bad. Oh, yeah. I, I completely agree how... I thought it was irresponsible. I think completely stupid for her to believe that, well, because of the fact that she she is his mother, that she should have some sort of say, even though she needs to clean up and she needs to get her crap together. You know, I, I definitely agree with you I think that's there. one of her hallmarks like it shows that she really is a terribly selfish self-involved character because if you are a mother you're gonna put your child in what they need first this wasn't about Jack this was about her right and I wanted to punch her in the face just like really hard in the face and I wanted to punch her in the face yeah in the oh, face, me too. Really hard, me, yeah, or me like too. Or like somewhere. Right, exactly. Just so violence, violence all around. Jack is getting right. to me, guys. <laughs> Speaking of which, we if we move on a little bit further, we get into the scene where uh, Bra Detective Brady and Detective Cutter go to the house of the of the vict of one of the victims, and in order they wanted to recreate. The scenario of getting from point A to point B and seeing how fast and see if the time is relevant to the Silver Bells killer being able to get back. See if Mitch is really definitely able to complete this task. And seems kind of like crazy, but it 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 definitely shows that Brady has some doubts behind it being Mitch or it being uh having or it definitely only being one person that he really wants to show like he really wants to you know make it up to uh to tessa that you know maybe it's not her father maybe it was a mistake maybe it's somebody else you know you can't really you know blame him and if we were to go ahead and talk about those little uh like little relationships we see tessa and Bra uh, tessa and garrett uh talking about the little the situation that garrett put them in you know how he didn't explain to them uh about their father and you again kind of like what you pointed out uh chess that you can see you know garrett really is you know really does feel bad for not telling tessa about their father you know and he's he's explaining you know he thinks about everything that he missed and you know all that stuff and you could see that he really does want to have this strong 
bond that he has always had with Tessa. Do you guys feel like that their bond is so is so strong that they can it can definitely handle something or do you feel like it's only going to get it's only going to go further apart as Tessa becomes more I guess aware of of everything that Garrett's doing? Poppy, how do you feel about their relationship, the sibling relationship that they have? I feel like the siblings, for the most part, have a pretty strong relationship in general. If we're looking at all of the siblings, they seem to care about each other. I know in the beginning it didn't seem as much, in particular because of the Allison and sort of like Garrett feud that was going on. But I feel like all the siblings, especially after everything that they've been going through, that they sort of put their own like shit aside as far as like maybe dislike or disapproval of the other siblings and they've bonded a bit more than they were at the beginning of the series so i mean there are elements of like garrett like really being protective of tessa of garrett being protective of cam tessa being protective of cam so it's it's been nice to see the siblings bond even though they've been going through some really tragic and uh what would be traumatic times yeah definitely it, you you can see that in over in an overall perspective their their bonds with each other it's you know definitely strong that they definitely do look out for one another even though they do disagree with some of the things that each of them do or what they believe in or anything like that but you can definitely see that they do have some sort of strong connection with each other and then you can definitely see it more prevalent in Garrett and Tessa and speaking of relationship we see that Naomi confronts Allison about their little intimate relationship that they have and Naomi kind of uh explains to Allison that you know that Tom confronted her about it and she explains that well you know that Tom had said that it, that I was more of just like a little spice uh for you but I feel like it's something much more than that and that you feel the same way too and she kind of gives her this little I guess in a way an ultimatum in some sense because she says that eventually you're gonna have to choose and she walks off. So I thought that scene was a little interesting. And you definitely see Allison's face where, crap, I thought I had everything under control. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Matt. And she's like, you know, I'm losing control of, you know, the marriage, you know, this relationship. So you could see that it definitely is affecting her. That she, that she's not having a say in it as or as much as she would like that it's very it's starting to become very limited to how important her choices are starting to be now and we see uh with we see now after allison was given that little ultimatum if we were to move on just a little bit further uh allison apparently invited over the press to the house and you see Madeline drive up and everyone's trying to talk to her and her response she lifts up the key and you know starts the alarm she's literally just had it with everything with everyone and everything 
and she asks, you know, why is the uh, why is the press here? And uh, Tom and she confronts Tom, and Tom says, "Well, Allison invited them over." So this exchange too, I think, was really important in the episode because we see Malin and Allison are you know discussing you know what's going to happen. You know, you know her dis- you know Allison deciding to drop out of the race, and Malin tells her, you know you're giving you're giving people exactly what they want that they're stripping away the hawthorne name and you're just letting them crumble and shit all over it you're literally allowing them to do that and allison explains that it's you know it's it's it would be really really difficult to bounce back after you know after this relevation that everybody has and uh, this moment I thought was so interesting because I really thought, you know, it was going to be like an intimate type moment. And we see, you know, Madeline, you know, holding uh, Allison's shoulder. And for like a few seconds, and you're thinking, okay, maybe she's going to, you know, tell her something. And no, bam, she slaps her. Yes. And I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> she l- literally slapped her. And I'm thinking, excuse me what in the world and you could see madeline is furious and she tells you you know you have an obstacle and you can either choose to go around it or go over it but you will not let it stop you and she explains that that you yourself have everything that i wanted i thought these lines were really interesting about madeline's character and she says you know you you have everything because of me that my decisions and everything that I did, my sacrifices, it led up to you having this moment. And then she cradles her cheek as if to, you know, to say, oh, I'm sorry that I slapped you. And she says, and Malin says, do not mess this up for either of us. Right there really does showcase that Malin is a manipulative bitch. Holy crap. She only cares about her decisions that she only cares about herself and what she can get that that really no matter what her children feel or what they believe in that no that 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 really doesn't matter that the ends definitely justify the means for her in those regards jess how did you feel about that exchange what were your thoughts that malin slapping the shit out of allison Okay, well, first of all, I wasn't watching the screen when she slapped her. I was looking at my dog because he was being cute. And so I heard the noise, and I thought she spat on her. So I had to rewind and, like, double-check and just make sure. I was like, did she just... Ew. (laughs) Then she slapped her. She didn't spit on her. I was like, that's still... That's still terrible. That makes it better? You know, she doesn't have someone's spit moistening her cheek. I guess. Delicious. Right. And nutritious. Mm. And probably salty with all of Madeline's bitterness. Oh my. But anyway. Oh my. I just, you know what? Madeline, we know what sort of background she comes from. We know that her entire life has basically been about clawing her way up from the pits of hell in which she was raised with her alcoholic 
hustler of a mother, right? We know that she had, she pretty much, it was, it was do or die for her. Like, she made sure that she got out, she got to a more prominent standing, and she could live a comfortable life, and her children could live a comfortable life. And so, as a result of that, I think she is, she, like, parts of her, I think, are shut off. Where it wouldn't occur to a lot of people, a lot of people, I would say, that, you know, didn't have to grow up in her circumstances, where it wouldn't occur to them to, like, slap their kids and tell them, like, no, you're fucking finishing this race, like, get your shit together. She, I don't think failure is an option for her, because I think she sees her children as an extension of herself and so failure is not an option because I think for her she's like look at what I had to do for you to make sure that you had this kind of life these kinds of memories that kind of childhood look at what I did I'm a fucking saint and you're all fucking stupid just do what I tell you to do please just just do it I feel like she Parts of her are shut off, basically, because she had to be that way in order to survive. And I don't necessarily blame her for that, but um, I wouldn't want her as a mother-in-law. And to be honest with you, if I was Allison, I would just be like, all right, but uh, bye. And I would take off, take my husband, take my kids, move out to some random foreign-ass country change my name and just completely cut off contact with the rest of the Hawthorns forever and ever. Wow. Because her mom has like some really big, completely steel lady balls and they're just, I'm scared of her. And I think that she is definitely capable of doing something horribly evil to end up where she needs to be. Because Mike, like you said, the ends justify the means for Madeline. I don't think she cares about who she's hurting in the process as long as she gets what she wants because I think in her eyes she's still that jaded little girl that had to grow up you know where she grew up with the mom that she grew up with she hasn't that chip on her shoulder hasn't gone away true yeah. Jess I think your lady balls are gorgeous thank you grew myself Poppy, is there anything you want to add to it? No, I think she said a mouthful. But I'm bumped. <laughs> oh my god. Oh god, we're gonna get complaints, aren't we? I don't enjoy Jess doing all these things. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wouldn't be the first time. Oh <laughs> lord. Uh, breaking news, Jess has been on-air personality. Jess has been removed from this program. Now what am I going to do with my nights? Right, but speaking of being not removed, Allison decides to go through with it and tells the press, you know what, I am going to run for it because she explains that the sins of our fathers should not dictate the actions towards the their sons and their daughters. That whatever action or anything that the parent does should not reflect on the child. And she definitely makes a point that... Mm -hmm. I agree. And I completely agree with her that whatever decision... Doesn't mean she's going to win. 
Right, it doesn't but mean I, I agree with win, her. But I agree, yeah, exactly. I agree with her that, you know, the decisions that were made, that her father and her mother, whatever, made, that it shouldn't define who she is as an individual. That, that her, yes, her father is a killer, which she had mentioned, but I am not. And she claims that, you know, because of that, I'm, you know, worked very hard for this and I'm going to continue the race and I'm going to see it through. So she decides to go through with exactly what her mother tells her, you know, and the mother, you know, looks at her from the side and is pleased. And she's like, yes, you know, you followed through with it. Dear Lord. And moving on a little bit further, we see Christina comes back and she decides to visit Garrett. But you could tell right off the bat, she kind of doesn't want to be there. She just wants to know, you know, what is it that you want to tell me? And, you know, she did, she didn't even say sorry, first off. She, again, excuse my language, but this bitch didn't even apologize for, oh, for stabbing him, you know, almost killing him. But she asked, you know, what is it that you want to tell me? And he's saying, you know, well, I want to say I'm sorry. And then she, you know, interjects and says, you know, that's not an apology. And I'm thinking to myself, dumb bitch, like, let him apologize, first off. Like, holy crap. Like, you stabbed him. You at least owe him, you know a chance to explain and to say sorry and to do all this but you know i'm being a little biased against her but again she i think she's a total bitch but that's just me but the scene basically just goes on and he's trying to explain that you know i wanted to know how you were doing and he explains how he found her and he wanted to know if she ended if she ended up okay and it leads off to Christ, you know christina saying you know I, you know, I trusted you, you know, in this, you know, are, is there anything else you want to tell me? And, you know, he says, no, there isn't anything. And she kind of looks away and she says, you know, uh, she makes a comment saying, you know, you're, you're good. And she says, but your, your pulse increases right before you're about to lie. And you notice that she's grabbing onto his arm or whatever to feel a pulse or to check to see if his pulse raises and he and you get this the screen kind of zooms in on him and he's like ah crap like i can't 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 get out of this and she says you know last chance you know to tell me the truth you know and she says you know talk to me and he stays quiet and he he just can't and she decides to walk off poppy I'm going to go to you for this one. Do you think Christina do you think Christina was in the right to do that? Do you feel like when she was asking for information or she was asking for reasons as to Garrett's appearance, do you feel like she acted in correctly? Do you feel like that was appropriate for her in that circumstance or do you feel like no, it really wasn't. She could have handled it a different way or how did you feel about the exchange that they had? Well, for her as a character that had been lied to and, uh, you know, she had discovered all this stuff about what he was trying to do, or at least she put two and two together, I completely get why she did it. I don't feel like she was feeling his pulse, because I, f I feel like he grabbed on to her. What she was doing is she was looking at the monitor, because the beeping, the beep, 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 beep. Like, as he was lying, the beeps would increase. At least that's what I noticed. And, oh, and I, didn't, I didn't notice that, because I noticed that she was that 
her arm was on his arm. Okay. Well, I don't know if I don't know if maybe it's a combination of both things that you know maybe it could be like her touching him and also the beeps of uh, the monitor because he ends up like tossing the monitor over afterwards because I feel like that's what she also used to discover that he was lying and well, I, that I would have only I worked he, he hit that only because that was like the closest thing to him and something that was fragile and can fall off I feel like if he were to punch over the IV that was connected to him I thought that would have been worse well that's that too well, I mean it, it could have been that as well but I think it's interesting though that she's a nurse that they made the character a nurse because she would have noticed that kind of stuff Right. Which I thought that was genius of uh, the writers. Now, as far as her, like, I completely understand why she's mistrusting of him and why she was monitoring him, basically, so that she could realize if he was being truthful with her or if he was still hiding something. And obviously he's hiding something because he had that weird shady conversation with his mother. So... You know, I felt bad for him because you could really tell that he was digging her. And he yeah. finally felt, you know, after all these years in the wilderness that he found someone that he could connect with. But, I mean, it, like, really, dude? Like, she stabbed you. And, you know, you were kind of stalking her. And, I mean, it just doesn't make sense why they would be together, especially with like the past that he wasn't involved in that you know connects them so you know it was doomed from out the gate and uh you know off vida saying christina hasta luego ay 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 jess what about you how did you, how did you take this scene I understand, you know, both of them. I think for for Christina, I do think her as a character, you know, like we have been presented with the fact that she lost her dad and she's kind of been obsessed with, you know, vengeance, getting getting revenge on this killer and she thought Garrett was it. And even though it's not, like it's pretty much been confirmed by the press that Mitch was SBK. So for her, I think maybe, I don't know, like, yeah, it was terrible that she stabbed him. Like, don't go around stabbing people, but also his dad killed her dad. So it was probably like, well, an eye for an eye, a generation too late. Like, you know what I mean? Not, not that it's a right thing to do, but like, I can just see that kind of being her frame of mind based on what we've been given. And I have to agree with Poppy, this relationship is is more doomed than Romeo and Juliet. Like, Garrett... And that's saying something. You've spent 14 years in the wilderness. He's fucking acting like she's his fucking soulmate or something. Like, no, dude. You stalked her. You cut yourself to purposely land in her clinic... You brought her out to the woods, and then you got fucking stabbed. Uh, what part of this screams future wife to you? Like, Maybe I'm pretty the sex sure was good. that when she looks at him, she's not hearing wedding bells. I'm pretty sure that when she looks at him, she's hearing the satisfying slam of a jail cell. Oh my. 
<laughs> and she's not oh planning on making any conjugal visits. Well, orange is the new black. Oh my god. I just, I, I don't see, like, I feel bad for him because he clearly is, you know, more invested in her than she is in him. However, I do think that she... She's aware that he's lying. She's aware that there's more to the story. And, you know, for her, it's more personal than it would be for, you know, a regular Joe off the street. Because her father was directly involved in these killings. And therefore, you know, so was she. She lost somebody. So, for her, she's kind of asking him and, and, and probing for more. Because she knows there's more to the story, and that's all that she has left. All she has left is that story, basically. And then she can finally, you know, get closure and, and move on with her dad's death and, and properly deal with it. Maybe, in her mind. That's what I'm thinking. Like, I don't think that she's looking at Garrett as, oh, like, something could happen between us. But you know what? It's TV land, so who knows? Maybe in the season finale she'll be like, hey, Garrett. I love you. I hope not. God. And that I was the perfect not. imitation. It was fantastic. Really? I, was, I wasn't trying, but... Now, this scene definitely really just made it awkward for Jack, his character. So, i do something a little bit different. So, I'm going to have... Poppy, I'm going to have you explain this fabulous scene with Jack. And then I'm going to get, we're going to go ahead and get Jess's response for this one. Because I know she loves Jack. Fuck you. She does. Okay, well, th there needs to be the setup. So, Tessa, because of everything that she saw with her brother, and she was like, you need to go to rehab. She was taking care of Jack that afternoon. And so she took him to the hospital, but she had to go to their appointment. So she left him with, um... Garrett with Garrett and after Garrett gave him sort of like a stuffed animal where if you press the paw you can re record a message and he was like uh, strangling it with cords uh, he Garrett was like okay we're gonna get this fascination out of your system cuz uh, cuz Jack was like oh you know I've been to the hospital twice this week and I haven't even seen a dead body and so they took him they sort of snuck into the morgue they like open the door they're watching an autopsy and um the doctor the me was basically like you know and these are the signs that this person died from drowning you know these are the this is how the brain looks and you can see jack's face is all excited so later on in the day around the time of the press conference uh, while his, uh, his uncle is banging one of the reporters, uh, in, uh, is that the same storage closet where they were banging in the pilot? I think so. Yep, I think it was the same one. That's like the, the right place to have sex, apparently, in the house. Um, while that's going on, Jack is with the twins, and they're like, oh, let's play, I want to play with the teddy bear, where'd you get the teddy bear? And uh, he's like, Uncle Garrett gave it to me. And so he's like, if you want to play with it, you know, you're going to have to get it. And so the pool is covered with like a blue tarp. And he throws the bear into the middle of the pool. But it lands on the tarp, and obviously because it's a teddy bear, it's light. You know, the tarp isn't going to sink in. And so one of the twins jumps in 
well, first, uh, he goes, you know, see, you know, the, t the teddy bear is there, you know, so you can just walk over and get it. And so one of the twins decides to do just that, except she falls into the pool, and I don't know if she doesn't know how to swim, but she starts freaking out, she's like screaming and everything, and the other one starts screaming, and Jack is there smiling, and then everybody, everybody being, um, uh, Tessa and Allison and her husband like start running out. They obviously pull the girl out. They're like, "What happened? What's going on? Everything's okay." And uh, they're like, "We're leaving." And then Tessa grabs—well, at least in my mind, I don't know if she really grabbed him, but like she grabs <laughs> Jack. She shakes him, and she's yeah, like, she "What is wrong with you?" And so, do you want me to just to wrap up? Because like it's, a, it's like a little scene after that. Yeah. Basically, um, she goes to Cam because Cam now is in rehab, and Tessa has uh, custody of Jack. And Sophie was all pissy about it, but she was. <laughs> but Tessa was like, "I'm gonna call CPS." So shut your ass. Um, she goes to Jack and not sorry. She goes to Cam and says that Jack needs to go to the school in Maine. It's for kids with disorders, and so maybe that's where Jack will be going. But now I'm kind of curious because I know you set this up to basically ask Jess about this. Jess, what did you think of Jack? Oh my God, Tessa, call CPS. He hurt those kids. Gonna get bigger. He's gonna hurt you. You either need to get well, him technically, he didn't do anything away, to the kids, or you need to get him like <laughs> killed right away. Either one, okay? Because he's not gonna grow out of his psychopathy. He's just like a weird psycho, psycho, like he's not even a child. He is the spawn of Satan. And like, holy crap, kudos to that actor. He's amazing. It must be draining, unless you know he digs it. But whatever, that kid is nowhere near me, so it's not my problem. But holy shit, how come they didn't call CPS? He tried to drown some children. How come literally... Well, technically, he didn't push the child in. The, po he, the child did it he, voluntarily, so he did it the smart way. He, Although, he, it he doesn't make him less psychopathic. Which is, again, he's, he's a psychopath. Like, he is a budding psychopath. I think those traits are set, and I think that... It, oh, the time for denial is long past. Get that child far away from those admittedly dim-bulbed twins because he's going to end up killing one of them. And I like that... Well, they have another one. They have another one, but, like, what if he decides to kill them both for, like, a massive oh. set? Maybe he wants to make friendship bracelets with their skin. You don't know. Yay. And to give it to Phyllis. Maybe. You can give her the dentures and the... Oh, no. Okay. But, like, really, though, it just... I, uh, it reminds me of this episode of Chicago Med. They had a little boy that was a psychopath, basically. Or, no, a sociopath. And he kept hurting his little brother. And his parents knew that he was a danger. Just like the Hawthorns realized that, you know, Jack is a danger and he's definitely not normal. And at the end, they basically chose to take both kids home and not get CPS involved. Even though, you know, the final warning was basically, if you don't do something, your older child is going to murder your younger one. 
And I definitely feel like that's the case with Jack. I feel like he needs to be institutionalized, not only for his own good, but for the sake of society, and particularly his cousins, who are, you know, around the same size or smaller than him, but definitely, definitely not as smart. Private school has not been a friend to those little girls. And they are just sitting ducks waiting for Jack to come up with some sort of new experiment that he wants to test out on them. Because he doesn't, he doesn't, he either doesn't realize or doesn't care that he's drowning them. They're not going to come back. He doesn't care. He just wants to see their dead bodies. Like, he needs to be institutionalized for everyone's good. Every time this kid comes on the screen, I like clench up and like, have to control my gag reflex. He is perfect birth control. So you're saying he's like l the literal embodiment of getting <laughs> getting birth control. He's basically a good reminder to pop the pill each and every day because you don't want a little jack on your if you don't want Jack on your hands, you will die. But I like, no, I like the the parents, Allison and her handsome husband, were kind of just like, okay, you know what? I think we should go now. Tessa didn't really do anything besides grabbing him by the shoulders and being like, "What is wrong with you? Like, is 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 that it? That's all you're gonna do?" I think you need to, like, finalize plans to get him somewhere and do and it in the middle of the there. night. Like, don't leave him on an island by himself. Do it in the middle of the night when he doesn't expect it and he can be carted away and he won't run away and turn into some sort of, like, creepy savage serial killer that lives in the woods. Creepy savage killer. He just, I know, I, I, ugh. I just, everyone has a character that they, that, that, they would rather not see Jack is mine. <laughs> I think I think a couple of viewers would probably agree with you. But speaking of not seeing somebody anymore, we see that uh, Allison pulls Naomi inside, and Naomi says, "You know, you just you know you went up by a lot within just a small margin of six hours," and Allison explains to her that you know i have a friend a senator friend that uh i put in a good word in for you and you can go ahead and transfer there and naomi's completely you know blindsided and oblivious as to you know what you know what are you talking about and allison's explaining you know that way you can explore you know better opportunities and allison explains that you know i had to make a choice and i'd rather you know i'd rather be here with and she goes on and explains that she'd rather be here with her family and you can see Naomi's face that she's devastated but you could tell that she, she you know she's not bawling she's not crying or anything and she just simply l looks at her at a straight face and says well you know uh, I'll go ahead and show you a copy of my resignation or whatever and Allison says you know you, you don't have to don't worry about it but you could, see, but if you look at, you know, Naomi's face, you know, she keeps a straight face. So to me, I feel like she's gonna do something. I don't know. I hope she does, cause I actually kind of like Naomi. But 
I think I like her too. I like her. Yeah. So I'm 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 wanting to see if she's gonna try to get back or say something or do something in order for her to stay here. But it's gonna be interesting. I feel like it, something something's going gonna go down. And speaking of something definitely going down, uh, Garrett and Madeline have another exchange at the hospital, and Garrett says, "You know, I want to." Uh, I can't, and Garrett explains, you know, I can't keep staring at people that I love and, you know, keep telling them a lie. I can't, I can't do it. And Malin just looks at him with a straight face and says, you know, yes, you can. Again, her controlling, manipulative side comes out and Garrett reaches over and grabs her hand, you know, and says, you know, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna come clean. But then he starts making relevations as to, you know, the truth trying to come out and he asked you know is that what happened to dad because he wanted to tell the truth did you silence him did you kill him and madeline doesn't answer she just wants to take her hand away but garrett bum, bum, bum. says oh my god like are you serious and garrett essentially had asked you know what would you do to me if i came out with the truth and Mal She'd kill your ass too. Yeah, she probably would. And Garrett and uh, not Garrett, Malin decides to tell him, you know, do you think you're gonna get the girl back? And she uses these different ploys to get into his head and, and explain to him that, you know, no matter what you do, it's still gonna be the end result. It just so happens that your decision for you to do that is just going to make everyone else's lives worse. And she explains to her that no matter what, you're not gonna get the girl in the end. You know. Like, what a little bitch. Really. But... But it's true, but though. It's, I yeah, mean, if I'm you think about it. it I mean, true. she said it in a very cold, a calculating way. Because, obviously, she's trying to, um, figuratively, like, drive the knife in deeper. Right. So, that way, he makes a decision to not, quote, come clean with mm -hmm. everything that's happening and keep it a secret. And... She just, you know, she tells him, you know, that he, she stabbed you. So what makes you think that you telling the truth is going to uh, is going to actually change anything? What makes you think it's actually going to make some sort of a difference? Because in the end, it's still going to be the same. And she kind of just walks off and Garrett is just, you know, looking down and, you know, can't fathom what to do. And then the scene then the scene then moves over to the final scene of the episode and we see that detective brady and detective cutter uh are able to get a video feed from the gnome from across the street that uh was recording the night of the event and cutter says well you mean you know don't be surprised if you know what you find is just mitch so they well it was the night before the murder because they had figured out, remember that well, uh, right, that, they, that they had there was like a practice, a practice murder, or 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 maybe not a practice, but there there it was a pre they were going to do a murder, but uh, the dog from it, it, this was the house across the street from the first murder house, right? The first victim, and the dog had interrupted it because like they were setting it up, 
and uh, right. the SBK so. was setting it up, and uh, it was stopped. And so the gnome had recorded the footage, but they had never looked at that footage because well, you know it was just supposedly a burglary at the time. Well, they didn't put well, two and two together. Well, their time was cut short essentially from the from eyewitness reports from the information that they got because they seemed that they put it together as more of as like a pre-run. So Correct, and initially they thought it was just a burglary. Right, initially they thought it was a burglary, but they noticed that a lot of the things were just changed or moved around or whatever. But SBK had OCD. Something like that on those regards, right? So then they decided to look at the footage, and they noticed that the passenger door opens up and closes, and then the car leaves. So then Brady puts two and two together and says, and says wait, the passenger door opens... And you could see that the lights or whatever, you know, turn on when you open the, you know, the car door. And he knows that now that because somebody had opened the passenger door and the car immediately leaves as soon as the door is closed, he comes to the conclusion that it was more than just one accomplice, that in reality, it was two. Mm-hmm. That one person was driving and the other person was in the passenger side. Bum, bum. Holy crap. And with that being said... Well, two little plot points that that were just missed. Uh, We found out Tessa is pregnant, and Allison told her husband that she chose her family. Well, not necessarily that she told him. She kind of just, like, alluded that that was the choice that she was going for. Not yeah. Play now, but yeah, it was obviously, you know, and that, and she basically had stated it to him during after the event of one of the twins, uh, drowning. But we're gonna go ahead and rate our episode. So, I'll let Jess start off. If you had to rate the episode, what would you give it on a scale of one to ten silver bells? Seven silver bells. It was pretty good. Nice. Poppy, what would you give it if you had to rate the episode from 1 to 10 silver bells? I'll give it 8.75 silver bells. I thought it was a really great episode. Lots of nice plot movement. Some great moments with the characters. And I'm loving all the twists and turns that uh, are falling upon us and like all these revelations about uh, SBK. So Brady and Cutter are doing a good job with the investigation. Oh, and I like Cutter now for some reason. Ugh. Uh, she's okay. I'll give you that. She, she's okay. I like her more than Christina for sure. But if I had to rate the episode, uh, ooh, I probably would give it an 8. I think it was a solid episode. It really did move forward the the overall plot, and I felt like it didn't bombard us with too many things happening. And I do like that they're now introducing a second option or a second killer or accomplice, however you want to put it. So I think that is cool. So it kind of gives a you know a different twist or turn. So on that note, who do you guys think? Are the Silver Bells killers naming two people in y- y'all's prediction? Poppy, I'm going to start off with you. Who do you think are the two people 
that would be associated with the Silver Bells killers. Okay, I think the Silver Bells killers are Mitch and Tessa. 100%. I feel like... Yes, I'm still sticking with Tessa, because okay. I know that I've said Tessa basically since episode two, but now that we have confirmation that that was Mitch's blood, so Mitch obviously was the one driving, and Tessa was in the passenger side. I feel like there's some sort of psychosis in the family that uh, maybe there's one person in each generation, so it was Mitch, then Tessa, and now obviously Jack. And once again, I know I've said this before, but I, I feel like they're using Jack to show us that someone at that age can be uh, a killer or can turn into a killer with the right uh, type of situation. And since Mitch was uh, obsessed maybe with murder and, and, and whatnot, you know, maybe that's what they bonded over. And because she was so young, maybe that's why she can't remember or maybe they had her go through extensive therapy i mean they're rich they can do that kind of stuff and uh, i feel like the night before they went on a uh, balloon ride that uh, they were committing their first murder to celebrate her birthday why not <laughs> here's your reward the family that kills together bonds together apparently so or the family that bonds together kills together jess who do you think are the Silver Bells killers? I was really, for some reason, like kind of side-eyeing Tessa a little bit. But her reaction at the end, when she learns that she's pregnant, she, the look on her face just told me that all of a sudden she wasn't happy. And for me, it was because she was realizing like, oh my god, there's murder in my DNA how can I possibly be happy about, you know, having a child that could potentially grow up as another Jack or another Mitch? You know what I mean? So if if she was, I feel like she'd be like, oh, okay, whatever. I did these weird things too as a child. You know what I mean? And by weird, I mean murder. So I'm going to go with Mitch and Madeline because... Madeline just, she's cold-blooded, and I don't think that, I think that between her and Mitch, from, from the little that we did see of Mitch, I think that Madeline is definitely the more dominant personality, so I feel like she was able to convince him to do all of these things as an outlet for whatever sort of emotion, you know, inspired her to kill, whether it was frustration or blind rage or even like a need for arousal or something like i just i'm gonna say madeline i'm i but at this point to be fair like disclaimer i'm probably totally wrong because it feels kind of at this point like maybe madeline would be too easy but she definitely knows something hmm. well for me obviously she knows everything but like i kind of could buy your and Sam's theory that it's Madeline up until the point where she had that final conversation with Garrett 
because it doesn't seem like Garrett is covering for her. Yeah, it seems like true. he's covering for someone in the family. But then and so once they had that conversation, for me at least, it like completely removes Madeline from suspicion. Okay, from her being the killer. Yeah. But obviously she knows stuff because she knows stuff. I mean, yeah. you know, she's the matriarch but of the family. Do you remember that episode where they sat on the stairs and Madeline was like, I really want another little you, basically? When Tessa was talking about potentially getting pregnant and she said, oh, I want another you. Why yes. would you want another mini serial killer? Like, that's not a good thing. You should all get hysterectomies or vasectomies for Cam and, and Garrett. Well, maybe she might feel like since Jack has the gene that her offspring won't. But why specifically did she say that to... I've never seen, you know, Garrett or even Madeline be... I guess tender is the word with the other siblings the way that they are with Tessa. Like, they're kind of playing with kid gloves. Like, oh, she's so cute. She doesn't really know what's going on. She's kind of like... Exactly. That's puppy. what makes it suspicious to me. I, I guess I could see it, but like... Are they afraid that she's going to snap and, like, kill them all with a butcher knife in their sleep, or...? Well, it wouldn't be with a butcher knife. It would be with a belt. Oh. Maybe she'd just leave the bell next to them. Or, like, ring it annoyingly above their heads. And when they finally wake up with bleary eyes from sleep, she'd be like, Guess who? It's me. <laughs> You're dead. Hmm. I think if I had to predict... I guess predict or guess who the Silver Bells killers are or were, however you want to use the tense. Ugh. For now, I'm gonna stick with Mitch as one, only because they note they notified that his blood was on the belt. So right now, it's assumed that he is definitely one of the individuals that was a part of it. But I think if I had to choose a second person. Damn. I don't want it to be Garrett, because I love Garrett. I think he's a great character. I'm hoping it's not him. I feel like it might be Cam. I don't know. I feel like for now, I'm sticking with Mitch and Cam, only because I feel like if it was Tessa, I feel like that would be kind of odd or weird. And I do understand that Jack is there to show us that whatever age you're at or at a young age like that that it can definitely still have some sort of influence to you but the thing is i don't see those tendencies that tessa has you would think that those really i guess psychotic tendencies that jack portrays or the way that he disassociates uh his emotional ties to certain events or uh things that happen i, I don't see that from tessa i don't see her disconnecting herself or acting out those personality traits that you normally would see from an individual but i feel like madeline knows about it and i think i think she's aware of the stuff that's going on but i feel like she's not technically a part of it i don't think that she herself had anything not not the fact that she didn't have anything to do with it but i feel like she was aware of it kind of like garrett too like garrett is aware and I felt, I feel like he did, I feel like that part, 
that he had mentioned about leaving and that if he found out that if another you know killing took place that he was going to come forth but i think that part was true but i do feel like that he did leave out the uh, the other individual out on purpose to protect that person so i'm sticking with it until further notice i'm going to stick with mitch and cam for now but that pretty much wraps it up join us next time for a brand new installment of the silver bells murders visit poppychuloradio.com slash archives to download this episode and many more registered users will gain access to our archives of previously aired broadcasts you can also download tonight's broadcast through itunes just search for the silver bells murders and subscribe Please like Poppy Chulo Radio on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash poppychuloradio. Please help support Poppy Chulo Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychuloradio. Email us via contact at poppychuloradio.com with any questions, suggestions, comments, or maybe even concerns. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chulo Radio team as an on-air personality or maybe even a blog contributor? Email talent at poppychuloradio.com. Co-hosts, wish the listeners a happy good night. Squeeze me again and I'll strangle you. Ew. Happy good night, listeners. Good night, listeners. Silver Bell's killer. Killers. We got you. Almost, maybe. Probably not. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for a brand new installment of The Silver Bells Murders. Good night, everyone.